Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, we, uh, we all love story. We all love a story of a book or a movie or fiction or nonfiction. Some of you know that I wrote a series of middle grade Christian action adventure fiction stories, and I did it because stories are so powerful and can communicate truth in life-changing ways. We love to hear and tell stories. What's, what's not always obvious is that each of us is creating a story of our lives. When somebody asks you about your past, you tell them a story. Uh, like I was, you were probably interested as a kid in your parents' stories. My mom told me recently a story about a time she skipped school with a friend of hers, which was, was very unlike her, I think, and it was funny. My dad used to tell us stories about growing up on a farm and pulling tobacco, and we remember those, those stories. You probably have stories in your family too, ones that uh, you enjoy hearing uh, over and over as a kid. Maybe you ask them to tell those stories again and again and again, and while those events happened in the past, when they happened, they weren't thinking about story, were they? They were thinking about the things that were happening around them right then and, and there. They were thinking about the current events, not the future. Every event in your life, once it's behind you, we kind of reclassify it, don't we, as a story. Maybe it's a story that we tell, or maybe one we don't want to tell, or we're too embarrassed to tell. The, the, the thing that determines whether we want to tell it or not are the decisions we made around that time, around the story, because this is true. We write the story of our lives one decision at a time. Whether those decisions are a thoughtful response or an emotionally charged decision, whether they are bad decisions or good decisions. So today, we are continuing the series called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, giving Andy Stanley, who, who wrote this book, uh, credit for putting the material together from his book with the same title, you ought to pick it up, called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. It's all about something that we don't often think of, which is the relationship between good questions and good decisions. Good questions set us up for good decisions. If you will ask and answer honestly and act on the uh, honest answer, you're gonna make better decisions and fewer regrets. Your life is gonna be better. People who, who look to you and depend on you will be better as well because we aren't the only in people that are impacted by our decisions or our regrets. There's a passage in Proverbs that we shared last week in this series that, that really applies here. It says this, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. I wanna encourage you to commit that to memory, and, and here's why. These five questions that we bring, will bring you into conflict that we're gonna ask with the salesperson in your head, they want you to act now, to decide fast, to focus on the immediate rather than the ultimate, and, and that verse helps us look beyond the moment so you don't sell yourself on, on a regret. The question is, will you slow down? Will you create perspective so that, that you need that when you see danger coming? It'll help you connect the dots between the options that you have now and the future that you would prefer to avoid. So we asked the integrity question, which was, am I being honest with myself, really? So, so how's that going? Even if it made you feel bad about yourself, how is that going? Ask yourself, am I being honest with myself, really? That was last week's question, but today is the legacy question, which is, 
What story do I want to tell? When, when this decision or season or relationship or business transaction is reduced to a story, what story do you want to tell? Do you want to be the good guy or the bad guy? Which option will, will, will make this a story worth remembering? One that you're proud to tell your children or your grandchildren. The good news is you get to decide. You write the story of your life one decision at a, at a time and every decision that you make becomes a, a permanent part of the story of your life. Every decision has an outcome. It can be good, it can be not so good. Maybe you're pressured to lie at work about something to a client and the client finds out and then your boss finds out and, and he throws you under the bus and you get fired. That's not a great story to tell. Or maybe the boss asks you to lie and you say no, but you lose your job that way. I mean, that's a tough situation, but that's still a better story. Maybe it's a relationship story. Like, like I met this guy, he was okay, he was convenient and something you, you knew you shouldn't pursue, but two years later the whole thing blows up and it becomes this story that you hope nobody really asks about. Friends, maybe here's your story. Friends wanted you to go out in college but you had an exam to study for and you said no to them and you stayed home and you uh, aced that exam and, and that story just played itself out over and over again and now you have a degree to show for it. That's a really good story to tell. Every decision and every and, and outcome of the decision becomes a part of your story. This is why when you make any decision, you need to pause and you need to think, when this is nothing more than a story I tell, what story do I want to tell? The decision that you're wrestling with right now will be nothing more than a story someday. What story do you want to tell? This is, this, it's a challenge, right? Because we don't think of our lives in terms of that, in terms of story. If you, if you lost your job, surviving this season will be a story you tell, but what story? Maybe it's you lost your job, you started drinking too much and you lost the respect of your family and your friends and even yourself. That's, that's not a story you're going to want to tell. But the decisions you make right now are the story that you're going to tell later on or, or that you're not going to want to tell. Maybe your marriage is not doing all that well and there's a person at work that comes into the picture and she's married too but, but you begin gravitating in her direction and she seems to be into you as well and gives you some signals that are encouraging you to, to fall into something there and the decision that you make will be a permanent part of your story and hers. Maybe you get involved with her and you have an affair and, and you wreck both of your marriages and your families. Is that the story that you want to tell? No. So, so, so here's something that's true of all of us. You would like to tell your entire story without skipping parts, without skipping chapters, without kind of fudging on the details. And someday you'd like to be able to spend time with your kids and your grandkids and tell your entire story. That's going to mean that you have to stop mid-story and ask, what story do I want to tell? Now, one reason we don't think about the story is the emotions of the moment, right? The emotions make things distracting. Emotions become a fog around us. It makes us lose contact with the bigger picture of our story. You, you like come up against a deadline and you're feeling it. You don't make your quota or you're fired and nobody wants to lose their job and you're feeling that. Or there, there are all these emotions that are associated, right, with decision-making and they complicate the process. We focus our attention on the immediate rather than the ultimate, and we're left simply looking at options, not our story. So let's be honest. There, there are no neutral decision-making places, environments. If you have a big decision to make, it's almost impossible to be objective, isn't it? What if I ask you about 
like the worst decision you ever made and you were honest with me about it. My guess is your worst decision was fueled by something with strong feelings, strong emotions all around it. Maybe it was a first marriage that was just from, doomed from the start. Or you bought something or leased something and it was so awesome and appealing at the time and it really was an emotional decision. Or you dated him or her or you went there or you smoked that or you did this for spring break and it was an emotional decision. If you've ever worked in retail, you know that the worst thing you can do is to let the person leave the store. You don't want them to walk out of there, why? Because the emotional appeal begins to disappear when you walk away. There are, like, those people are far less likely to buy anything when they walk off of the lot. Psychologists call this focalism. Focalism is when you have this hyper-focus on one thing instead of everything else. If you've been in love, that, that's it. All you can see is him, all you can see is her. And, and so in emotionally charged decision-making environments, we think in terms of our options, not our stories. Here, here's a suggestion. When you're confronted with anything, with anybody with strong emotional appeal, hit pause. A strong emotional appeal, it should trigger a, a red flag, not a green light. Not because it's not a great idea or an investment or a great person or a job, but we should step back because emotions cloud our judgment. So step back, go home, think about it, call somebody and talk to them about it. And for sure, consider your story. Because when you do that, it's gonna be like the verse in Proverbs says, it places your decision in the context of some larger things. So there's an Old Testament story of Joseph, and it's one of the best places to look at and see this played out, and a lot of you might know the story. It's 1800 BC, there was a 17-year-old named Joseph, he was the 11th of 12 sons, and he was put in this no-win situation. His father Jacob loved him most because his mother was his father's favorite wife. And so his sons are so jealous of him that they decide to kill their brother Joseph. But instead at the last minute, they sell him to slave traders and then they tell their dad he was killed by a wild animal. Now, those 10 young guys have a secret that they're forced to live with. And their story is this, we were so jealous of our younger brother that we beat him up and we sold him and then we lied to our father and we said his favorite son was killed by a wild animal. That is not a great story to tell. And, and now Joseph's brothers are liars for life. Quick, quick note here, don't make yourself a liar for life. Whatever you gain in the moment will not be worth what you're forced to carry into the moments that follow. So Joseph ends up being auctioned off in Egypt. He was purchased by a military officer named Potiphar and, and Joseph has a decision to make then. Do I run away or do I just have an awful uh, attitude and give up or do I throw myself into this new job? And again, remember, none of this is his fault. His story was completely turned upside down and changed by some selfish people around him. And it was, it was just not Joseph's fault. He could have been like, why even try? Why should I even care anymore about any of this? But Joseph overcomes that negative and he refuses to give up even though he was a victim. He decides, I'm gonna serve Potiphar as if it's my own family. And so he does that. And if you know the story, he gets more and more responsibility. And pretty soon he was in charge of Potiphar's entire household. That was the story Joseph decided to tell. But as some of you also remember, his story intersects with the story of Potiphar's wife and the story that she is deciding to tell. She comes to him and insists that he become her lover, probably one of many for her. And Joseph suddenly has two choices, neither one of them with a good outcome at all. Now, understand this is more than even a moral issue. This is a life or death issue for Joseph. Either way, he could lose his life. 
And, and he's maybe like 20 years old, but he opts for the better story. And at this point, he does this really powerful thing that we ought to take note of. He like retells his story out loud in order to share the context of his response with Potiphar's wife. He says to Potiphar's wife, I came to this land as a slave with no rights. I had no future. Your husband purchased me. I have done my best to serve you. And, and I worked hard and God helped me every step of the way. And your husband trusts me. He put me in charge of your entire household. But uh, he refused, it says, he refused. With me in charge, this is what it says, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master, he says, has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? That's your story, Potiphar's wife. Do you want that to be your story, an affair with a Hebrew slave? How then could I do such a wicked thing, he says, and sin against God? Why would I want to add adultery to my story? He's basically saying that. Which of these stories do I want to tell? Story number one would be this. Your husband gave me an opportunity and I never dreamed it would come my way. And so I was faithful to him and faithful to the God who's been watching out for me. Or story number two, your husband gave me an opportunity I never dreamed that it would come my way, and so I took advantage of him and had an affair with his wife. Which story do you want to tell? And Joseph decides on the better one, and he did the right thing, but the, but the right thing didn't turn out so well for him. She accuses him of, of raping her. Joseph ends up in Pharaoh's prison, in his, down in his dungeon. But his story wasn't over and yours isn't either. When we find ourselves in a long, difficult chapter, it just starts to feel like our story's over. But it's how we respond during these difficult times that's the difference between a story with a good ending and one with a bad ending. And while in prison, Joseph does the same thing as in Potiphar's house. He does what he can do with what he had to work with and soon he's pretty much in charge of the prison. And several years later, that's how long it takes. He's called into Pharaoh's presence to interpret a dream. None of his magicians could interpret it. Joseph, Joseph says, hey, I can't interpret it either. But then he looks at Pharaoh and he says, God, the Hebrew God, he can interpret it for Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh lets him do it. And according to his dream, Egypt is gonna have seven years of record-breaking grain harvest, which like bread was a total staple for the ancient people. Grain was his primary source for their diet. And if there's no grain, people will literally starve. And so the dream of a great harvest is great news, but that was only half the dream. There were gonna be seven years of record-breaking grain, yes, followed by a famine so bad. Everybody was gonna forget about all that grain. And so Joseph interprets the dream and then he does something that is honestly ridiculous and dangerous. He gives Pharaoh unsolicited advice. He says, somebody's gotta wake up every single day focused on that problem. Uh, you, you ought to pick somebody to be in charge of grain storage, which probably brought silence into the, the throne room. Like who's this guy who dares to give the Pharaoh advice that he did not ask for? But here was, here's what Pharaoh said. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known through you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people and to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. 
And in that moment, Pharaoh makes Joseph the prime minister of Egypt. That's crazy, right? So, so Joseph goes into that. Once again, he decides well. He devotes himself to the opportunity in front of them. Seven years later, this famine that wrecks the world around them is on them. But Joseph has been collecting grain for Egypt. And so when the famine hits, he opens up the government grain supply and people from all over are coming to buy this grain and feed their families, including Joseph's brothers. And so one day he was out there and he recognized them immediately, but they didn't recognize their 30-year-old brother. They hadn't seen him since he was 17. And, and so you, you ought to go read that story in, in the book of Genesis. But in the end, Joseph reveals his identity to his 10 older brothers and they're terrified. They beg him for mercy that they don't deserve and they won't probably receive because they're convinced that he would do to them what they had done to him. Like after all, that's what they would do, right? But Joseph wasn't anything like his brothers. Why? Well, he refused to react. He avoided becoming like the people that he didn't like. He decided against this strong pull of bitterness that he could have had. What caused him to be free, free to write a better story? Joseph decided his life should move in a different and better direction. He decided to write a story worth telling with his life, which is why we're telling his story. And in that moment, he decided that revenge was not gonna be a part of his story. Joseph rescues his entire family and their families and moves them all to Egypt. And that's a story worth telling. And he decided that one decision, one response at a time, which brings us back to us. What story do you wanna tell? What, what do you want told about you? You're writing the story of your life one decision at a time. Never choose the option that makes you a liar for life because long after what you gained is gone, you'll be left with your lie. A story you won't be very proud to tell. Every relational, every family, every financial decision is gonna become part of your story. Listen, if you haven't decided on a good one yet, it's okay, there's still hope. Jesus is in the business of taking our broken and bad stories and redeeming them. And listen, the chapter you're in is just a chapter, it's not the whole story. So the challenge is to make this decision today. I'm gonna to decide on a story I'll be proud to tell. Every time I have a decision to make, I'm gonna to say to myself, when this is nothing more than a story, what story do I want to tell? And then decide well, because you write the story of your life, one decision at a time. So write a good one. The next time we're together, we're gonna to talk about the third question, which is the conscience question. Let's pray. God, you were over all of us and all of us have made bad decisions at times. Would you just extend your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your hope to us knowing that if we're still here and we're still breathing, our story isn't over and that God, you wanna redeem our stories for your purposes in this world, just like you did Joseph. Give us the courage, give us the power to make wise choices and to tell a great redemptive story with this one life that we have. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. 
If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.